0: I really want people to see the urban community for this. This is what you're going to get when you see somebody like me, you know, and I'm not the, I'm not a super politician guy. I'm not anything like that. I'm just the urban entertainment business in St. Louis. And I want to make it home to my family. Hey, this is Sean Newman, host of the SNP
1: here in Canada. And you're listening to the one and only Vance Pro podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here today. We interview Robert Dillard, who also goes by solo. I met Robert down as the security guard for this building. And as I got to know him better, I realized, wait a second, this guy is an amazing entrepreneur with all sorts of backstory that I think would be a good conversation. Robert and I have a wide ranging conversation about some subjects that candidly make me a little bit nervous to talk with a black man about things like black lives matter how the Ferguson riots impacted him, and should I be a little bit nervous if I were to go to one of his rap shows? But in truth, the conversation was easy flowing, and Robert seemed like an old friend. So I think you're going to enjoy this look into a man that lives in a culture that may be different than yours day in and day out. We're going to get to the podcast in just a moment, but first, a few housekeeping items. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know we normally release on Monday afternoons. But The Articulate Ventures team has been expanding, and we've brought on some people to help us increase engagement. One of the recommendations they have is most of you are listening on Wednesdays. So we're going to start releasing this podcast on Wednesday morning instead of Monday afternoon. Another thing that has happened is we asked for reviews during our 2022 roundup, and we got them. We got a bunch, but we also want a bunch more. It is so helpful when people write reviews. Give us five stars. And tell other people what they're going to get when they listen to the podcast the biggest benefit of this is when you start writing reviews it tells the algorithms that hey this is a show worth listening to and the better we can expand our reach the better our gravity well gets and the more interesting people you get to engage with so i really hope you'll take a few moments on whatever app you're listening to this on and write a review for the podcast speaking of apps Just recently, I've become aware of an app that's doing something that I have long wanted to do. It's called fountain.fm, and it's a different way to stream podcasts. Normally, if you're creating a podcast, the way you monetize it is you take an audience and you build up the audience by putting out content that's interesting to them. And then you sell that attention that your audience is giving you to an advertiser. I've always tried to resist this. Certainly on YouTube, there are ads on here, but I don't put them on there, and I've never really wanted to run ads. Well, Fountain.fm has started a new service where you subscribe to the platform, and then as you listen to different podcasts, it takes part of your subscription fee and gives it to the producers of the podcast. This means that a podcaster can be supported without having to sell ads, and it really hits exactly where I want to be. The other big benefit of Fountain.fm is they are supporting the Bitcoin network. And this is something that I truly and deeply care about. And if you've listened to me talk about Bitcoin, you know that I always say you're never going to learn about the Bitcoin system without digging in and getting your hands a little bit dirty. But the more that you start to run around and figure out how things work, the more customary it will feel and the easier it'll be to use. So if you want to support the podcast in a new way, you can either write a review. Or go to fountain.fm, download the app and start listening to us there. Our legacy interviews have continued to grow. That's one of the reasons we've had to bring on more staff and we're actually expanding our office space. One of the reasons that we have to do this is because our clients have been saying, Hey, I want to bring my parents in together. I want to give them the experience of interviewing individually. And then I want them to be interviewed as a couple. This is an amazing service, and you really get to capture the autobiography, the memoirs of a couple that have built their lives together and created future generations. A concierge interview is a complete day dedicated to capturing not only your life stories, but turning them into an autobiography that you can pass down. That's why we've started to offer the opportunity to turn the transcript of your interview into a leather-bound book. That you can cherish and pass on for generations if you're interested in having us do a concierge interview with your parents or grandparents go to legacyinterviews.com to find out more all right without further ado let's head to the interview with my man robert solo dillard
0: robert dillard welcome to the podcast thank you for having me, man this is dope i love your setup you're doing your thing
1: so you <laughs> run a security company in St. Louis, even in my building here, yeah. is is it dangerous to be running a security company?
0: Well here, I tell people all the time, this is the worst area ever, right? Because people that don't have it likes to come to the areas that do, and they rob them. And we have Metrolink by here, we have the mall by here. It's dangerous. So, you know, I can walk outside right now and somebody's probably gonna break in the car. You know what I'm saying? But You just have to be prepared for that as a security guard, you know. How'd you get into the world of being a security guard? I went broke. I went broke. Um, I was on the road doing some shows, doing stuff for Changi, this rapper. And I was a singer, songwriter, all that stuff. And he put me on a tour with him. And my money ran out because I didn't know the business, you know. And I ended up up, uh, telling my wife at the time, like, I I needed to get a job. And she was like, Well, I know this place called Securitize that's hiring. So I worked for Securitize. I ended up meeting the owner of this building. And uh I was like, you know what, man? Let me have the contract to this building. And uh we worked something out, and he was like, I'll pay for everything, but I didn't need him to. My wife paid for everything, you know. So I started it and I've been in business for what, seven years now, you know. And how big is the business gotten? Got real big and then when COVID hit, got real small. <laughs> Man, it got so small. COVID, COVID messed me up. I lost, I had what, 12 contracts. I went down to four contracts. And the four contracts turned into two contracts. And then I got real busy with my other uh business and turned into one contract. <laughs> so now, you know, that just tells you like life can happen. So fast. Yeah, man, like, and nobody could have predicted COVID in the sense that like
1: even if you were like there could be a pandemic, yeah. nobody could have imagined that all these buildings yeah. they'll just be empty. There just, just won't be, be anybody.
0: Empty. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had a really twenty-four hour contract. So I was just making money all day. Just making money all day. And um lost that contract. And everybody in the plant got fired. And I was like, wow. So now I'm over here thinking, like, I just lost all this, but I'm thinking about my employees. How can I help, you know? So I just worked out a deal. I was like, you know what? If you guys bring me a contract, then I'll just make you a partner on it, you know? Where that makes you, you know, have ownership into the company. And it worked. It worked. So that's two entrepreneurial ideas you yeah. had. Like, the first
1: one was you had the foresight to ask the business manager, or the building owner, yeah. can, I, can we get this contract yeah. and then bring in people on as partners? How'd you learn
0: entrepreneurship? I actually just studied it, like, on, on like, social media, read books. You know, I, I grew up in a really tough area, you know, where we didn't have that, somebody to show us the business side. or We don't have that, that rich Uncle or rich mom and dad where they tell you like, this is what you're going to do. And we're going to, you know, you had to really figure it out. I watched a lot of these drug dealers that's out here run their business on the street. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be just like that, but way smarter. I'm not a flashy guy. You don't see jewelry on me. I drive two nice cars and that's it. But I stay in a nice area where I can do it, you know? But, you know, I just, I just learned it from just watching, watching people and reading books. So when you say you grew
1: up in a rough area, like rough area to you, rough area to me are different, different things. What's your rough area? Well, where I grew up, the rough area was like people in a trailer court and maybe there were like, 45 or a hundred of them, Yeah, but it was like, you know, bad things maybe went on, but not
0: that bad. There was never, if a shooting happened, that'd be a really if big a shooting thing. happened over in your area. You're probably like, you know what? Everybody's standing in the house. If a shooting area happened in my area, everybody's getting out to retaliate. You know really? Know what
1: yeah. What does that even mean?
0: To retaliate, they going outside and they killing whoever until they find out what's that person that did it. That's how dangerous the area that I grew up in, Paysdale, Missouri. You know, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, grew up in Paysdale, went to Normandy High School. And uh, I witnessed one of my friends get shot right in the head. In the head? Yeah. 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 Still hunt me to this day, you know? One of my friends, we was, we was so basically, we was leaving the house at the school. It was a half a day. And uh, I told him, I was like, man, I don't feel right. We were supposed to have basketball practice, but I didn't go. I went with him. I was like, man, I don't feel right. You know, let's let's not go. And uh, we went in this area, and they were shooting dice. And I decided to leave, of course, with him to go over there just to make sure everything was cool. Once we get there, uh, it was just weird. It was like a lot of people we never met, and uh, they went to shoot dice, and it just went left. It just went left, you know, so. I don't witness a lot of stuff, you know, so.
1: How old were you when you saw that?
0: I saw that when I was like 15. I was in high school, like. And how much time between like,
1: oh, this is getting bad to he gets shot in the head? How much time elapses?
0: Oh, man, I don't even know because it happened so quick. It happened so quick and I still think about it, you know, (laughs) to this day, I still think about that, but. In my, in, in my world, they say, like, you know what, Robert, our solo, like, you're not a street guy. I'm not a street guy. I'm more on the business side when when people talk to me, but I grew up in that area, you know? You know, all the time I spent growing up and
1: you see, like, real, real bad areas, which I didn't yeah. go to very many of them, but I've been over to East St. Louis, I've seen oh, some, like, wow. you know, but I always have wondered, like, if it's so bad,
0: why don't people just, Leave? just leave you can't you gotta have money to leave you know that's like i had i had my uncle you know uh that took me out of the area moved me to old fallon missouri you know that'd be a change yeah that was a big change i had to adapt to what i was seeing around there you know and i was seeing a lot of like where it was like love you know, I grew up in a household where it was love, but I'm talking about as far as like hanging out with friends. You don't know if you're going to get shot by your own friend in the area that I was in, you know? So he took me into an area where he showed me a lot of love and how to be a man, and, you know? So I, I love that dude to death. man. Tell me about your uncle. My uncle is one of the top chefs in the city. Like he is a great guy. He... He does a lot, man. I I actually, I could say I get my business savvy from him. Like, I got it from him because I watched him for so many years just take care of his family and open up business and have multiple streams of income. Like, so I watched him do a lot, you know? Good dude. Yeah. And what was it like that your family, that, that, you know, your uncle
1: could come in and take you to O'Fallon? You were living with your mom? Yeah, I
0: was living with my mom. So we had a fire. Um, you know, my, my stepfather, which he's a good dude too. Uh, but we had a fire. So it was forced for me to actually have to leave. And I stayed out there until my mom got the new place. And I just told my uncle, like, I don't want to leave, you know, like, I love my mom. I love my dad, my, my, my stepfather. I call him my dad, whatever. But This is a better environment. I knew as a kid, like, this is a better environment. (laughs) I want to stay out here. So, you know, uh, I just went home on the weekends and just stayed with him during the week, started going to school with him and all that. So, And then Uh, you finish up high school at O'Fallon, and then, like, then you get into the rap world? So I I was already in the industry with this record called Bear Rock. So we had this record on on the radio stations. It was playing in Atlanta, St. Louis, New York, Mississippi, Memphis. It was playing around uh, certain markets. So people already knew who uh who we was and I was in a group called 3G. We ended up getting a record deal signed to Island Def Jam. So that was pretty cool, but it was a single deal. So with that single deal, they put the song out, but it was also a time for the song to get stolen from one of the biggest artists in the world, and that was Lil Wayne. You know, Lil Wayne. And if you go on YouTube, you can see everything. It's all on a 3G bedrock, and a Young Money bedrock, it's all out there. So that's how I got in the industry, just, you know, just putting out that song, and, and it actually did some stuff. I made a little money from it, and I uh, started writing for like, Chingy, start writing for a lot of different celebrities, so it worked. I just, you know, that's how I got in though. Writing and when you say you're writing, you're like writing down the lyrics of yeah.
1: things that make
0: sense. They, have, yeah. they can fit to a beat and yep. they can like if 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 you're an artist and you say, you know what, I, I really don't know how to make music. Then you call somebody like me. And then I put a team together and we go in there and we fix your problem. Like, it's like construction. You you know what? I want to buy this building, and I want to put this room in here, and I just don't know how to build it. So you call somebody like a construction company, and they come in there and fix it. So you call me, and I come in there and fix you and get you together so you can put out some music, you know? And when you got this record deal, you get a little bit of money. What do you start doing with the money? once I blew it? it. (laughs) <laughs> i blew it everybody does i upset. blew it i yeah. blew it I, I promise you i did i bought cars i was just i heard bad i was flat. so it was enough money to be able to buy cars it was like it was yeah it was like 50 okay 000. that's a that's a good chunk of change for anyone yeah for a, a 16 17 year old dude yeah he like yeah man everybody got 50 so i'm looking like yeah this is cool i'm gonna I'm I'm make my money and i'm gonna sit back And I'm gonna make this. Let this money make me money, and that didn't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I blew everything. (laughs) I bought clothes, shoes, whatever. It was just bad. I bought a lot of stuff. How long
1: did the fifty k last?
0: Probably like the year. That's it. Yeah, it only lasts for the whole year. Like I was just spending it because I was still making money on top of that. But that fifty probably lasts for like a year or a little bit less than a year. Yeah. And then you
1: started touring and going around and, like, yeah.
0: so what was that like? Oh, that was amazing. That was amazing, man. Uh, I reached a lot of cities, like, where the record, we go out there, perform, and then we leave and go home, you know, and then go do the same thing every every weekend. Like, it was pretty dope, so. And at the time, I was doing that, no kids, you know, so it was perfect. Yeah. You know, we we were talking before the cameras got going about the different
1: cultures. And, like, it's very easy for me to go to another country. Like, I've been through Central America. I lived in Kenya for a while. That's dope. But if I go to places where it's, like, the urban American culture, I'm more intimidated there than I am anywhere else. I think, like, a big part of it is everybody speaking my language but the way they're speaking it yeah. is so totally different. It's slang and fast. Fat real gotta Keep fast, up. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I watch your show, Cigar Talk. I've watched, like, quite quite a few of them, right? <laughs> Where you guys are blowing smoke while there's still time, I think is, yeah. the, is the line. And, like, I find it to be really interesting, but it's so jarring to me, the language
0: itself. It's, like, yeah. it's English, but it's... It's, like, real fast. It's not my English, it's right? It's like, Yeah. You know? it's You gotta be... As they say, you got to be hip to understand what's going on. And, you know, we we talking the same thing. I just sound different. You know, it's like we have to kind of basically with me, I'm not going to ever change. Like if I go talk to you, if I go talk to my friend on the street, if I go talk to a billionaire in the room, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to change. I'm always going to sound the same. Because I want you to understand me as a person and how I come up, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but if
1: you go to a rap show, like, yeah. to me, that's, like, young people all amped up, like, yeah. tons of energy there. Yeah. I am intimidated. I'd be, like, standing off in the corner being, like, all right, I don't you belong here. You shouldn't,
0: you shouldn't be that way, man, because I'm telling you, it's fun. And every, every urban area is not dangerous. It's just... It's just the way it is. You know? Because we get intimidated going in certain areas too. Yeah. Me going into O'Fallon, I don't know these people. You well, know? tell people what O'Fallon is like because they don't really understand so that if you went from... Before, now, like before, five years ago, O'Fallon was just nothing but white. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? It's nothing but white. You see a lot of Trucks and mud and hunting. Yeah, like you know? countryside kind like right
1: where country meets yeah. a little so bit of town.
0: I have no problem with it, but I didn't understand it. So once I started being out there more, I started to understand like, hey, man, this is actually cool. It's fun. It's a lot of farms out there. You know, it's it's like you might ride down the street. You're going to instead of hitting a person, you will hit a cow. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So. For me, I was like, "Wow! I see cows. I see coyotes. I see f- everything out here." You, in my area, you don't see deers. In O'Fallon, you see a lot of deers. They might run on seventy nine, and you might hit them. You know, but it's that's it's different, man. It's it's a better lifestyle, and you want to raise. You can actually raise a family out there, you know, where you don't have to worry about walking outside and 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 a straight bullet might hit you. You don't have to worry about that out there. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> and so you're 16. You've made this record deal. You you start going on tour then?
0: So once once the group broke up, I started working for Chingy. And that's when I started doing a lot of shows and tours and stuff like that, working with him. Yeah, that dude's he he is a busy. If you don't know who Chingy is, he had one of the biggest songs in the world called Right There. It's on like a lot of movies and, uh, him and Nelly, they, they was like the first two to make it out this, out this, uh, St. Louis market. So, yeah.
1: And you're like going up on stage, you're holding microphones, there yeah. are people, you know, yeah.
0: I up. In, probably in front of like, like 60,000 to four people in a room type stuff. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And it's all on my social media. <laughs> all this stuff is on there. I performed in front of a lot of people. And when did all that start to wrap up? Uh once once I let I stopped working with these uh guys called the Fast Tracks. So these guys, I still talked to Ashley Booker. We actually had the podcast together, the Unplugged Music Review. Uh, so at, after I stopped working with them, I stopped being an artist, it kind of just slowed up. And uh, I went broke, like I was mentioning earlier, and uh, I met my wife and I basically told her, like, you know what, I'm about to be broke. If you want to leave, get out. (laughs) I told her, I was like, I'm really about to be broke. But if you stay with me, I'm telling you, you're going to be good. And I'm I'm going to help you get through whatever you want to go and follow your dreams. So, you know, and that's how that's how that happened. How old were you when you met her? I met her at 22, 20. No, I met her at 22. We got married at, I got married to her when I was 24. So, yeah, she was 23. So, yeah, I was 22. I just knew right off the jump, like, she was a good woman, you know? So, yeah, she's the reason why I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, and what did you learn about yourself by being married or being connected to her? I, I just love love anyway you know, like I love people. I rather, I love people more than money. You know what I'm saying? I use money. I love people. So I just always looked at it. Like I just wanted to have the wife, the family. I wanted something to go home to every day. And she makes sure that she remind me every day. Like she, she is a good woman, you know? So yeah. Yeah, man. And so you, uh, after you're doing your security
1: stuff, you also, like, crazily, you have your own music studio. Yeah. You run uh, multiple
0: podcasts. Yeah. Like you're doing all kinds of stuff. So I have uh, Unplugged Studios, which is me and my uh, cousin business partner. His name's is J-Bo. Uh, J-Bo. is a part of one of the biggest mafias from back in the day called BMF. It's actually TV shows about them. On stars, if you ever heard of like Fifty Cent, um, he put a show out them about them right now. It's called BMF, Blowing Money Fast. So, and uh, you can go watch it right now, and you can see j Bo on stars right now talking about it. So we own Unplugged together, and he has a label, a record label called Blowing Money Fast. We have a few artists on there. It's pretty amazing, and we're just helping these guys figure out a better life than. Been on the street or, you know, they can really follow their dream, you know, with, with, with that studio, we do pretty good, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, it's a legit studio. Yeah. I was watching
1: it. I see your like reels on it. I'm like, Oh yeah. man, he knows a lot more about sound and audio. Oh, than yeah. I do.
0: It's, it's, it's amazing. And to be honest with you, I got a, I got a, I got a great team. I have a great team, man. These guys are really good and they understand this business. Like, like it's it's like a book. If they wrote a book on it, these guys know it. Like they understand it. So they just they help. And you know, I got the podcast, Cigar Talk, uh, STL, and uh I have Unplugged Music Review and I'm working on a few other things. Yeah. So tell me about the business
1: of running a, a studio, right? Like what does it take to be to make that a profitable venture?
0: You gotta have the right equipment in there because people want the good quality music, you know? So, and you got to have uh like, it's like a barbershop. You can't have a, a barbershop without barbers or beauticians. You got to have that stuff to keep the thing rolling so you can make money. So these engineers come in, everybody wants to be an artist. No matter if it's a grandma to, to the, to the son or the nephew, everybody wants to be an artist no matter what somebody in your family like you know what i can really sing <laughs> you know so you call somebody like me when you call me all i'm gonna do is say hey how much studio time you want okay cool you want this we charge a hundred dollars an hour and you have to book two hours so that's two hundred dollars already made right so you say you want a 10-hour block i might throw you a bit a deal and say hey You want 10 hours, i give it to you for $800. dollars i knock $200 off. That's fine. And then you say, you know what? I want to get this song mixed. So now you have to pay another $200 to get the song mixed. And next thing you know, you're going to say, you know what? I really like how you guys do things. Can I use your marketing? Now that's more money that you got to (laughs) pay. You know, so this thing make money all day. And, and if you have at least, if you have at least 20 people that's booking studio time every day or every week, then you're really, you're you going to do good. And is there that much demand out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it crazy, man? Like
1: once I got the studio equipment in here, yeah. the number of people that came to me and they're like, I always wanted to record a podcast, oh, yeah. but I didn't want to invest <laughs> into it. I didn't want to. Right. So I can totally see that being true yeah. of, of being music. Oof.
0: It's, it's pretty good. And, like, with, with the podcast stuff, I charge people to do interviews, you know, or I might say, hey, you can send me your music for $25. If 25 people send you $25, then, you know, just being honest, and if you do that every week, like tonight, I do the podcast, music review, and I have... What 70 people that sent music in. You get what I'm saying? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> because they want people to get they
1: want exposure. They
0: want exposure.
1: And so you guys, because I've seen a couple of these. You're like, you have a camera and there's a there's like a table, just like yep. the one in front of me. Yep. And you guys are sitting on one side of it and you can hear the music that you guys are yep. listening to, and then you guys are just riffing about yep. it. Yeah. And but
0: but behind that table is probably Fifteen people in the room and a producer over there with lights and everything. We just don't show. Up. Yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> and so, tell me, like, who listens to your your review show? Uh, a lot of people. That's urban. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. A lot of urban people, but um, they know that we have a way to get into a lot of the industry people. Like, we have a way of getting to people that they are fans of for so many years, we, you know, we are very good at that.
1: You know? People sending you their records though, 70 of them, like some percentage of them are going to be pretty
0: hard to listen to. We try to get them all done. You know, we try to get them all done and then we do a big showcase. So if you sent music in, you have a way of performing for free. But if we plug your music, then you perform for free. But if we unplug your music, you have to pay to perform, you know? So it's just, I just mixed all that in. Like my studio is called Unplug, So I just made everything, unplug music review, unplug cigar talk, everything. So yeah, got a way of doing certain things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's, it's interesting about like, you just seem to
1: kind of bring things together to to see what works. Like one of the, sh- the episodes I watched was, the guys from the Chop Shop. And there's like, yeah. I don't know, 15 people in your studio? all Maybe more than 15.
0: Yeah, it was probably... It was about 15, yeah. And then outside of it, it was probably like 100 people. They brought a lot of people with them. And uh, it was only supposed to be two people. <laughs> what is the Chop Shop? Chop Shop is a barbershop. And uh, when I say that these guys are... Man, hey, they're wealthy. Like, these guys, they... They live a fast lifestyle, legit lifestyle too. And their clientele is just crazy. They cut half of the NBA, her. Like they really, they travel and cut her. A lot of the NFL players, they cut their hair. Like they are really good.
1: So that's a part of your culture that's different than mine. Like in my culture, uh, I either go to a stylist where like you set up an appointment, it's one person, you're just right there. Or I go to the barbershop and I'm like trying to be like, what is the fastest I can get in and get out right. of here, right? <laughs> but like the culture around cutting hair.
0: Oh, it's serious. It's serious. It's, it's totally serious. different. I paid $80 a week to get my haircut. Promise you. Because you can't just take buzzers and do that yourself? I go, I think I really have a problem. Like I will be depressed if I don't have a haircut. Like, I will sit in the room, and I complain to everybody around me, like, I need to get a haircut. and There's only one person that can cut my head, and that's this guy named ATF. I call him my brother, but, you know, yeah, he is really good. And to be honest with you, I definitely appreciate that guy. He'd be like, I'll cut your hair for free. No, I'm going to pay you for your service. You charge $100, but I'm paying you 80 <laughs> It's cool with me. So, what's the, the black rag that people
1: wear on their heads? Like, particularly at night, right? Because like, yeah. I used to run this camp for inner city kids. So there were a yeah. bunch of kids from urban environments, a bunch of kids that wear it. But I would ask them, and they'd be like, I don't know. i just, just supposed yeah. to wear it.
0: Like, so, they call it a do-rag or a wave cap. For me, as you can see, it's a lot of waves going on in here, right? So, you'll wear a wave cap at night so you can keep all this intact. Like, So, if I don't want my hair to be like, like just yeah. Because if you're like rolling like, your head, it'll be like it'll be messed up. Yeah. yeah, okay. And so I wear a wig cap to keep it keep it together. And what is it about the culture that makes haircuts like important? You want to look good. You want to look nice. You want to look like something. You don't want to be out here looking like a a fool or, you know, you want to look presentable. So that's the thing. If you if you're trying to go get that that great job, they don't want some. You know, like me, if I'm sitting in front of, of the, I'm the first people, oh, first yeah. person that everybody see. So if I'm walking and I look, don't look presentable, I'm not getting talked to. Nobody's gonna be looking at me the way they look at me. You wouldn't have came to me, you know? So it's just like, you gotta look presentable, you know? I
1: have a hilarious story, at least hilarious to me. When I was in Kenya, right? I was living there for, for a while. And my hair started getting long. And I, uh, I'm i like, all right, well, there's nowhere for me to like go get my hair cut. So I'm going right. to stop by this barbershop. Now, in the town I was in, they only had electricity like an hour a day. Oh, this my. is like way, way up in the mountains, like Ugh. way remote. And so I go with this guy named Daniel who speaks English and like, we sit down and as soon as I walk in there, everybody's like, who is this guy? Right? Like, like <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, there, they sit me down and instead of having like a fancy barber chair, they just have like a plastic chair oh, wow. and they've got this, uh, like, you know, shears mm-hmm. and nobody's ever cut my hair with shears, right? My hair is cut with scissors, scissors right? Yeah. Cause my hair is like yeah. super straight. So anytime oh. you make a cut, you to be a giant line across oh. it. And I haven't thought of this story in a long time and so right is there about you know they're turning on the buzzards and just as they're about to touch my hair i go like hey daniel would you ask him a question and uh ask him how many white people's hair he's cut before <laughs> and daniel says something in Kikuyu. i don't yeah. understand it and all of a sudden the whole like and then the guy that's about to cut my hair is like uh is, it just says something and the whole room starts laughing <laughs> and i'm like what and daniel is looking there kind of sheepish and i'm like what daniel and he
0: goes He's never actually met a white person before. <laughs> i was trying to tell you, that's how I felt going to O'Fallon. Yeah, being honest, man, you know, he cut my hair
1: yeah. with those clippers. It yeah. made me look like I was Mega Man, like I was wearing a helmet because
0: of my hair. That you had waves and stuff. Yeah, it was just like all the way around, yeah. like all the same size. Yeah, and- that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's not that's not cool, man. So in your culture, like what do you when you see somebody like me right if i'm out of uniform if i'm dressed like this didn't know me how would you feel it depends on the context right
1: like so if you're at one of the restaurants i'm at you're eating you're whatever then like hey this is a guy like me right if we're somewhere where i'm like i don't you know i don't know the people around like if if i'm in the parking lot and i'm walking in and it's late at night and i see you i am 100 percent going to be like all right this is the person i got to be worried about right whereas if i see a guy that looks like me wearing a polo i'm sitting there being like i bet i could i bet i could you know why though I, i mean i don't know i mean i think every image that i have of black people in the last five years is like I have maybe three black friends that I see yeah. on any kind of regularity and right. everything else is what I see in the media. I've been around where well, they have both been in Africa. I ran yeah, yeah, camp yeah, yeah. So I've been around sure. it. But like you get hit with enough images yeah. in particular in St. Louis, like it, it, it seems like it would be
0: foolish not to be. O- right. So does that hurt your feelings? Not at all. Not at all. Because I want to educate people that don't know about my culture. Um, when you see somebody like me, never judge a book by its cover because I probably own half of the entertainment in St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why so, we're talking for sure. So I tell people like, I, like I had a lady that actually her place just got robbed, right? Right by my studio. And, um, she, I guess she got held up at gunpoint. And the detectives need my camera. So this place had no cameras at first. And um, now the detectives called me. They say, hey, hey, Mr. Dillard, I want to use your cameras to see, you know, if if we can tell me what happened. So, uh, but the same lady that I'm talking about, she called the police on me. (laughs) Because I walked into my building and uh, she judged me. She she called the police and was like, "Hey, uh, it's this black guy walking into the building, and he don't look like he belong." Police come. I know the police officer. The guy works for me, right? <laughs> the guy works for me. He like, oh man, this is my boss. Like, I worked at this, the makeup company, you know, the twenty four hour contract. And he said, "I said, yeah, man. Uh, she called the police on me because I I look like this." And it's not even about my skin, it's just I dress urban. You know, uh, I don't wear that's a suit. probably it more than that's what it is. That's it. It's more than like yeah. your skin color. It's like if you were wearing a suit, yeah. I'd be like, I oh, don't the guy's wearing a suit. Cause I wear a suit to work, but I also keep a gun with me. You get know what I'm saying? To the point where somebody walked through that door, I have to be ready to protect everybody. You can trust me to protect you in a suit. You gotta be able to trust me when I'm outside of the suit you know, to understand me a lot more, you know? As I think about this, like, um, I think of,
1: like, all the stuff going on in downtown St. Louis. True. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's bad. It's bad, right? <laughs> it's like, bad. you know, the, during COVID, there were the yeah. the uh, street races. They were just yeah. doing it out openly. I mean, it was just a couple weeks ago that somebody shot outside the courthouse and the yeah. bullets actually went into the courthouse. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. So how do you bridge this divide where you're like, People shouldn't be judged. Yeah. But then there's a whole
0: bunch of bad stuff going on. True. Just like school shootings. Majority of the school shootings come from Yeah, white guys. Exactly. <laughs> so you have to if if I see a a white kid coming to school and he has on a coat, I'm instantly judging him and saying he has a gun on him. If I see a white kid coming this building and it's 40 degrees. I mean it's it's 106 degrees outside. I'm asking him what, what floor are you going to? I'm I'm targeting him right out the jump. So you got to pick and choose. If I if I know that it's 100 degrees and I see a kid with a hoodie on, then something's wrong. But if it's cold outside and you see a kid with a hoodie on, he, it's he's cold. You know, so you, you just got to learn how to read people a lot more. And I think with my with my culture, we don't, we just get, we get judged first. And then after they talk to us, they say, you know what? This guy is actually smart. He actually knows what he's doing, you know? So you just, I just never judge people. Like, unless it makes sense. Like, for you to walk in with a trench coat and it's 100 degrees, I'm judging. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that you're not in here to do no harm to anybody. But. I just I just want with with the whole downtown area with everything that's going on with it's bad everywhere. It's gonna be like that for the rest of our lives. You think so? It's never gonna stop. Because you got guns on the street. You got a lot of guns on the street that a lot of people have, you know, their fathers have guns. So if you if you know it's so easy to get a gun, it's never gonna stop. It's never going to stop. So I tell people all the time, just be careful. (laughs) Like, it's
1: not going to stop. That's I mean, it's uh, probably a realist perspective, right? That, that, like, the violence and things aren't going to stop. But it's also sad, right? Because I have people on the podcast talking about, like, oh, I want to revitalize St. Louis. Oh, I want to bring that downtown back.
0: And to be like... Ah, the violence is going to be there. That person that's probably trying to do it could possibly get hurt trying to do it. You have gangs everywhere. When you think of downtown, the south side, or whatever the case, you have a lot of cliques. You have a lot of people that you go in this area, you might get hurt. If you got drugs and guns, you're going to have a problem. If you're not really attacking these kids, it starts with the parents at home how was they raised you know and then you start to look at who you're hanging around you know so i just i just always try to be careful i don't really hang around the 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 crazy guys that do do a lot of bad stuff i know those guys but i don't hang around yeah i mean speaking
1: of like you were talking about the uh school shooters right yeah. i was hearing somebody talk about this now i haven't looked it up but i've heard that 90% of the school shooters come from single parent families. Yeah, for sure. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. I mean, like that's, that's like, when you think about that, like it really does come seem to me that the only way we get out of the massive violence chaos is to somehow make it way more possible for fathers to be in the picture.
0: Like, like for me, my dad, I knew who my dad was, but he didn't live with us. You know, him and my mom split. Uh, and, and, on the dealer side of my family are really wealthy. (laughs) Like they're pretty good, but he wasn't around. So I had my uncle and my stepdad to show me, you know? So, yeah. And I had also coaches and people that really admired me playing sports, like Demetrius Johnson, uh, that we just lost him. I don't know if you know who he is. Demetrius Johnson is, he was one of the, you know, he was one of the guys that could make a change. He just lost his battle, you know, of life a day before Christmas. So, you know, if you should look him up, man. Demetrius Johnson is really tied in with a lot of these people that's out here doing good with the radio stations, with everything. So, yeah. Yeah, the dad thing, like to me, when I hear about all the
1: divorces that go on yeah, sure. and like the, like in my community, like that's, that's the bad one, right? Like yeah. you, you could have a perfectly like normal, even slightly wealthy family. But once that divorce happens, like everything's over, you know, Yeah, and like <laughs> moms, like they can try as hard as they want, but they just can't. I mean, you've been, yeah. you raised boys. Like yeah. we're, they
0: just can't do the same thing that dad's. Not like. at all. It's, it's easy when you have that. Both parents in the house. It's easy because I see it, I saw it with my uncle and my aunt. You know, both of them in the house, they're raising us, they're showing us what to do. But when you go home, before my mom met my stepdad, it was just her. And you teaching us how to be a man and you're a woman is kind of hard. Yeah, there's just parts about life that a woman
1: can't teach a young man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to be rejected by you know, women, when you go yeah. up and talk to them, you don't know what's expected right. of you if you get into a fight at school. Right. Like You yeah. can have the woman's idea of like, yeah. oh, this is how you should handle yourself. But a man, yeah. he was a boy once.
0: He <laughs> right. knew what it was like to get picked on. He right. knows what you, what's yeah. gonna take. And that's the thing. It's a lot of bullying going on. Like that stuff, it's probably never gonna stop either. Like, I just like for everybody to just face reality, like this stuff's never gonna stop. These school shootings, it's never going to stop because we're not thinking about what these kids are really going through at home. That's why it starts at home and they take whatever happens at home into the street. And if they're getting picked on at home and at school, we got to start looking at that kid like, Hey man, let's get you some help. That's how you can, that's how you can stop it. Those kids that they're walking through the school, that's real quiet that don't want to talk and they, you know, they're really just on edge all the time or very aggressive, talk to those kids more. Yeah, because somebody's going to talk to them, but they're going to be people probably on the internet, right? Exactly.
1: Like the the internet is so it's wild so for, like, like uh, there's this guy that, I had him on the podcast, his name's Michael Vassar, he's this, like, intellectual guy, and I was talking to him, I'm heading up to Canada to give yeah. this talk um, about, like, rural versus urban conflict yeah and one of the things this guy michael vassar was like i was like what would you tell these farmers that are living up in way northern canada and he's like you can't stop your kids from being on the internet but you must go on the internet with them because if you don't know how to like operate where they are there's going to be people talking to them that you don't know anything about like letting them go to the back alley and letting them talk
0: freaking strangers. right man the internet is dangerous like I have to be careful on the internet because you can have your location on without even knowing that you got your location. I had to tell one of my artists. He posted a picture, and uh, I was like, hey, man, I know where you at. You at a shoe store right now. You are about to get in your car, and you're about to, oh, you just got to the hotel. And he was like, how do you know this? I was like, dude, I'm watching your social media right now, and it's showing everything. So if I wanted to come kill you, I can come do that. And he was like, all right, how do I turn this off? I was like, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to watch what you post. Stop And and when you go out of town, don't post when you're out of town. Post when you made it home. you back at home. Post those pictures when you're Yeah, that's back right. It's already gone. Because somebody's watching like, oh, he out of town. I'm going to go rob his house. You know what I'm saying? And, How do you and, feel about yeah. posting photos of your kids online? I don't do it no more. I really I stay... I'm really careful. Because... It's just... It's so dangerous. Like, I, I, I was doing YouTube at first. And uh, we called the Dope Family on YouTube. And um I was posting them a lot. I was like, you know what? I, that's kind of dangerous. I'm not going to do that. Because I have really nice kids. They don't want they just like, man, these kids are different, man. They are really nice. Like, they wasn't raised how I was raised. Like, they they don't, like my youngest son, he don't like anybody. No bullies or at his school, he's like, no, don't don't fight. Like, the way I was, I was like, man, when I grew up, I was like probably the one I was fighting, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I asked different. a lot of men this question is like,
1: you're a successful guy, right? Yeah, but you yeah. came from a rougher spot. Yeah. How do you think you're gonna raise your kids when coming from a rougher spot is kind of what made you
0: capable? Not like I was raised. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm there with my wife. Hey man, uh, we have fun. Uh, you know, they, they live a different lifestyle than me. And that's my job is to make sure they live a different lifestyle. You know, uh, you know we are in a nice area where they go to a nice school. You know, um, yeah they they're living a way better life than what I lived. Seriously, all the way. Yeah, I wonder. Like,
1: I didn't grow up in, under hardship, but my yeah. father was put a lot of pressure, particularly sure. on the boys, yeah. to be like, you know, you're gonna get out there, you're gonna work, you're gonna yeah. make money, you gotta That's do that. Father,
0: supposedly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I I know a lot of people that have been really successful that came from real rough situations, and they're yeah. like. How are you going to replicate?
0: Your kids are gonna have to figure out a different way to be successful than the way that you were. Yeah, for sure. Sure, like my kids are into like, I'm in the shoes too, but they're really into shoes. So I guarantee you, they're gonna wanna come to me and say, hey, I wanna make my own shoe. I'm gonna put the money up and help them do it. You know, if we fail, we're gonna fail together. You know, I'm just in the type of, you know, lifestyle where it's a gamble. Every day, making it home nowadays, that's a testimony, you know what I'm saying? And especially in my community, making it home. Oh man, that's like a that's like the goal of the day. Like when I leave here, I'm I'm happy if I make it home. That's, that's like still so mind bending. Like that that's like got to change the whole way you view the world. It's, man, I don't like this. This is cool. It's private, but you see, I walked in with a bag. Oh yeah. I trust no one. When it comes to making a home, I'm gonna make a home. You know, it's just on the strength of like I cannot be in a situation where I'm vulnerable and or sitting like a or, or out there like a sitting duck. Like making it like when you downtown, you probably stop at a red light, right? Yeah. Not all of us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest not all of us we don't stop at red lights because it can be somebody that follows you from your last location and that red light turns into a shootout that's why a lot of the times downtown you see see cars get robbed somebody can be holding you up at gunpoint it happens at red lights that's why you know you might see like why is that car driving fast through that red light because that person probably knows how it really is out here. <laughs> it's dangerous. But it's funny you mentioned that, because I was just <laughs> just last week, I was
1: down at the radio station yeah. downtown, and uh, there was a car that cut me off right in front of a red light and then stopped in front of me. And I was like, is something about to happen here? Like, what am I gonna know. do here? You don't know. And it, like, if you're out here, or you're out, yeah, they're yeah. like, that's
0: not even that's a question. That's not even a question. Where I live, I stop at red lights. But when I go to my business, don't stop because you just never know and i take nothing but a certain i change my route every day i never take the same route every day just on the strength of you just don't know you know so why do you think the world got this way like what happened social to, media you think so <laughs> social media made it more dangerous social media made it way more dangerous everybody see the lifestyle people make social media look so good When you look at my page, I make social media look phenomenal. I'm talking about... Yeah, you guys look a lot cooler than me. That's for sure. Like, we make that thing look really good. So, in my community, if you look cool, you're going to try to take the cool person out. Just being honest. Because now you want that person to look at you cool. Or it might have been somebody like, hey, man, can you play my music? Or I'll probably unplug somebody's music. Or... I got an artist that I just got signed to a major record deal. You know what I'm saying? You just never know. And they're like, can you help me with that? And I say, no, right now it's not the time. So, oh, man, I'm going to kill him just because he said no. You just have to think about this stuff because it really happens. It really
1: happens, man. (laughs) The other big thing that I see, and I don't know the statistics the way I hear other people citing it, but, like, there are a lot of black men in prisons right now. For sure. What is going on with that? Like, to me, I look at the number of people in prisons and I think we're worse than China. Like, we
0: lock up yeah. way more people than China does. And you know why they're all in prisons? Because you still got drugs and you got guns. Drugs and guns. When you take those off the street, that's when it's all going to stop. But if it's always going to be around, it's never going to stop. Like, it just goes back to what I was saying. Like, you, you have these ways of getting to any type of drug. Drugs, when you think of drugs, you think of like, okay, this will come up. I'm about to make some money. Everybody wants to make money. That's the root of all evil is money. So now you got the drugs and you're making money. Now you need protection. So you're going to go to whoever's selling drugs and I mean, whoever's selling guns on the street. If you're not, if you don't have a good name and you don't want to get the gun in your name, you're going to go to whoever's on the street and buy a gun. So now this gun might have murders on it. This gun might have all types of stuff on it. And But you walking around with this gun, police stop you or they get behind you because you might have not turned on the signal, right? Yeah, or, or you ran your, the red light. Yeah, or you ran the red light. Or your window's too dark. Yeah. Or certain police, you know, some good cops, bad cops. I appreciate all law enforcement because at the end of the day, I'm not hiding, You know, but you have some people that just look at you and say, "Hey, man, what are you doing in this area?" I got pulled over just the same same way. You know what are you doing in this area? So you have some people that stereotype you before they really understand you. So uh, when you think of drugs, drugs and guns, you think of like, I know if I get pulled over, I got this hot gun on me. It probably got. Three bodies on it, and when I mean bodies, I mean killings. Uh, and I got a pound of dope in a car, or weed or whatever, whatever the case may be. Police get behind you, boom, you're going to jail. So if you got bullets in there, I think it's like three years or ten years for each bullet, or something like that. So if it's loaded and you got one in the chamber, you're gonna you're going to jail for a long time. So Majority of that happens in the urban community. But when you think about the school shootings, it's probably somebody that was raised in an area where it was like farms and they go outside and they shoot and this person's the chubby kid that get bullied at school and then go home and get told to go milk the cow or something. You know, I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. And getting yelled at, to go do this, and he really don't want to do it, and he's getting bullied at home, bullied at school. That gun that his dad or mom or uncle go hunting with becomes the the people's hunter. Like he becomes the people hunter at school. So when you take the 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 guns away, that's when it's all gonna stop. Do You think that's the that's the answer you gotta that's get? That's the answer. Uh, Outlaw guns to yeah. take away? Like you just gotta take it away. Like, how many how many unarmed black men have been killed by cops? Because they was nervous? They 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 saw I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a big guy. So if you pull me over, I'm a big guy. So you instantly nervous and I'm dressed the way I'm dressed. Like, I could have came up here and wore a suit and tie. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, man, give me some scotch, and let's smoke a cigar, and and let's really get in in, in depth with this thing. No, I really want you to see me for the same way you see the person that's outside right now that's trying to help the old lady get to her car. You know, I really want people to see the urban community for this. This is what you're going to get when you see somebody like me. You know, and... I'm not the I'm not a super politician guy. I'm not anything like that. I'm just the urban entertainment business in St. Louis, and I want to make it home to my family. And I'm not a threat to no one unless you're a threat to me. You know what I'm saying? So if you get pulled over by the police and you you know you're a security guard like you yeah. got it, you're in dangerous areas. How
1: does that interaction
0: go? I do don't you care do? about none of that. You know, I can have all my credentials. I can say, hey, man, uh, I own a security company. It's called On Time Security. I've been in business for seven years ago my car. I don't want to see that car. I don't care about that. Uh, what are you doing? How are you driving this nice car? I just told you. They I ask know. you that? Oh, man, I have gotten pulled over and got asked all types of stuff. Dude, I never get pulled over. Dude, back. this is going to be your best interview. I promise you. I got <laughs> pulled over. Three weeks ago, I was in a half. What was a a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car? Not my car, but I was in it, and uh, they pulled me over and they say, uh, "Hey, um, what are you doing in this area? Are you here to rob or what? What are you doing?" And you this? were in your area. Where were you? I was in the area I live. I can't. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, but. I was in the area where I live, and I was just like, well, I left uh, I left my humidor at home. And once I started talking about humidor, how old are you? Oh, I'm only 34. How did you get this car? I said, well, I own this and I own that. And uh, it's actually a friend's car. And uh, he was like, well, um, do you have any weapons in the car? I was like, yeah, I have my firearm in it and it's in my name, uh, it's actually in my book bag, and um, it's actually in the, like, where it's safety on it, and it's super secured where only I can open it, uh, but if you wanna search it, you, you're fine. Uh, you got guns and drugs, I mean, you got drugs in the car? I was like, no, I don't. I got cigars, had to get my humidor. And uh, cigars, well, I need to see how these cigars look, you know? It was, he was just giving me a tough time, but he got me out the car. He searched. He didn't see what he wanted to see. So he was like, you don't belong in this area. How you going to tell me I don't belong there? I made over $200,000 last year. And you're going to tell me I don't belong there. All right, cool. You keep that. I'm going to let you have that, sir. I want you to remember what you said that I don't belong over here. So, a lady, a lady comes outside, right? Her car just got broken into, and I'm in the area, and this out where I live, it's it's this thing called the Kia Boys. I know you probably heard of them. These cats, they stealing all types of Kias out, right? Oh, I didn't know about that. Oh man. (laughs) These dudes everywhere. You should look it up. So her car gets stolen. And she says, I can't believe somebody broke in my car. I'm over a friend's house. Like, let's stay close by me. And we over there having a good time. So I go out there and help her. Comes to find out that's the officer's sister. That's the officer's <laughs> sister that pulled me over. So he sees me again. And she was telling him, like, no, Robert, help me. He's a really good guy. I see him over He hangs out with so-and-so, and he's pretty cool. And he owns the studio. I actually let my son go down and record in his studio. Oh, man. This guy had to eat every word that he said. <laughs> you know? So it's just, I just never want to judge people, but I don't want to get judged either because this is what you're going to get when you see me outside. Yeah, I never you get know? pulled over. And if I did get
1: pulled <laughs> over... Within the first thirty seconds of the conversation it would go. be like this guy is not
0: Yeah, they let him go. Yeah. See, I I don't get pulled over a lot, but if it if I do get pulled over, I, I just pray to God that this cop understands the community. That's all I I just wanna make it home. So this this uh yeah. maybe brings up a, a sensitive topic, but
1: what I'm interested in, like when Ferguson happened, Two. what was your what was your
0: View on that, what's your perspective? There. Okay, oh, you lived in Ferguson, yeah. I lived there when that happened. I stayed right in Jenny's. I just bought a house, I paid a little money to, and I had to stay there for a year, right? I was like, dang, I gotta stay here, but well, all right, whatever. So, me and my wife, we stayed there. I just started this security company. I was like, oh man, we gotta stay here for a year. I just bought this. House oh gosh, right? Ferguson was seven years ago, right? yeah. It seems like yesterday, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I stayed there and that happened so genies then you got west floors and you go up a little bit that probably happened like 10 blocks over where the ride and everything was right there so let's back it up when you
1: feel like when that whole thing went down your you and your community what was
0: your take on it the cop was like overly aggressive the kid i just feel like it was just all miscommunication It was just all miscommunication. It started with the store. That kid was in there doing something at that store. Don't know what he was doing, but he was there doing something with an employee at that store. And the police was called. The police just reacted. And that kid didn't turn around the way that police wanted them to. Or I, I wasn't there, so I really can't speak on it. But it was just all miscommunication. And we lost somebody, and I know his dad. You know what I'm saying? I, I really know his dad. His dad is out here really a good guy, good stand-up guy. And I see his mom at the same place I go get my hair cut, you know? So, yeah. And then when all of the reactions started happening, right? Like the riots around Yeah, life. we start losing a lot of uh a lot of people that that really meant a lot to the city as far as the urban community. We start like uh we started losing a lot of people. Like where they start getting they, they in their car and their cars get set on fire with them in it. We had a lot of people I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people was dying around this time. I had no idea. Yeah, so we, in in our community, we like, hey, man, what's going on? Like, is this a setup? Like, I don't know what's going on. But was I out there? No. I wasn't out there at all. Was I really tuned in all the way like I should be? I wasn't. Because I'm just over here thinking, like, I don't want this to happen to me. I just want to go home. I just want to make it home. In yeah, house. I just want to make it home. So I just always... That's why I'd be telling people just don't judge a book. Please don't judge, man, because it's, it's dangerous. You might make the you might make the worst decision and lose your whole career, or you might make the worst decision and lose your life. Yeah, you know. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, what should a guy like me know about Black Lives Matters?
0: All lives does matter, but we. Gonna get looked at, like how you get looked at. You know what I'm saying? If we walk in a room together, if I didn't walk in with you, they're gonna think I'm up to something. So we we get stereotyped so fast. Man, that has gotta suck. It sucks. Like, it to, sucks. To feel that way, right? Oh, man, it sucks. It sucks every day. When I wake up, I come to work. I say, ah, I get some people down there that 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 want to be nice. Then I get some people that really want to be ignorant, you know, to the point where I have been called all types of stuff sitting downstairs. And this is a nice building. And this is a nice building. But everybody that's in suit and tie or whatever are not nice people. You know what I'm saying? And I don't judge people. I go in. I go to work. And the only reason why I'm working because it's hard to find help. You know, and you want to have somebody that really can represent you well. So I just haven't found that person yet. Well, it makes a big difference because we're walking in. This is a nice building. There's doctors here, there's attorneys. There's like big difference. And And like we have, yeah, yeah, like you and I became friends because you're like friendly guy, you're (laughs) everything. Yeah. You You know, and and the owner of the building actually introduced us. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, when you get somebody like that introducing you to somebody like me, and I'm just supposed to be the help you know, you really saw like, why would he introduce us? You know? So, you have to look at that, but I get all types of stuff here, man. And so when you're saying that with Black Lives Matter, you're saying like, look,
1: all lives matter, but the the phrase was meant to make you aware that there's something going on where people are not being treated
0: equally. Yeah, we matter too. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the only race where people look and get nervous. If you see an Asian man walk in or whatever type of race walk in, you probably won't get nervous. Now, when, you know, a lot of people was nervous. I was cracking jokes when we had the terrorist attacks and they see somebody walk in there like, oh man, what is he on? But we've been going through this for years. It's not a it's not a cry for help. It's not a, like, a, I just want you to all love me. This is a, hey, man, just stop doing that. Stop judging me before you even talk to me, you know? Really understand me as a person because I probably made more than what you probably made in a year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In one day, you know what I'm saying? You just never, you can't judge people just off how they look. You got to really understand people just off the conversation. Now, if you if you see somebody that's like me, walk in and I look like a bomb, and I'm probably a bomb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if Yeah, because there's yeah. like a there's like a tension there, right? Because
1: you you also are aware, like, hey, there are some dudes that'll show up and hurt you yeah. that look
0: like you. Yeah that look like me. And so there's like a there's a balance there somehow. Right. But how would you know? It's just like how would I know? How would I know if I say hi to that person in the morning, they're gonna say, Hey boy, how you doing? Or they're gonna say Hey, how you doing? People call you boy. I have been called way worse than that, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to tell you. And did I let them go? Not all. You you know, you can ask a few people up here, but every person that crossed me the wrong way, I don't let go. And um, to the point where it was a guy, he was putting his hand in my chest because I wouldn't let him go upstairs and, finished beating his wife up in the lobby right she ran upstairs on the elevator and this guy was hitting me in the chest like you need to let me up like cussing me up like but it wasn't it was like all words, right so i said listen i'm not worried about you saying what you're saying but you're touching me and that's the problem he's still going off on me still like F you, I'm gonna get you fired. I'm gonna call your boss, and I know your boss. And I'm like, okay, cool. Call my boss. Here goes my. Here goes his card. It's my card, but like, here goes his card. Call him and let him know, because I don't want everybody to know I own a security company. Because then they, you know, it gets weird. But they judge it like, why you own a security company? And you work here. It's hard to find help, and I gotta stay making money. <laughs> so, um. But I, this, this particular guy, he wanted to finish. His wife pissed him off. They was waiting on a ride. He's just mad, real mad. And he kept poking me in the chest. So I hit him because I told him to stop. I warned you about three <laughs> times, and I hit him. We had benches in a little vestibule area, and I hit him, and he went up under the bench. So I called the police. I said, hey. Uh, I'm a security officer at the building, university, whatever. And um I had to hit a guy because he, you know, kept poking me and I explained to them what happened and they was like, okay, cool. I'm we're gonna come. We're coming now. Uh is are you armed? And I said, at the time, no, I'm not armed. Uh is he armed? And I said, I don't know. I just know he's bleeding and he's up under the bench and he needs paramedics. So uh, the owner of the building, he says, "Robert, don't hit people <laughs> because you know that's just gonna bring a lot of attention. I said, "You know what? You're right. I don't want." And this is when I first started, I'm like, "I don't want to bring a lot of attention where I work." So he was like, "So he explained to me like this is how they're gonna look at that. You're a black dude hitting a white man. They they coming in with guns drawn because." I'm the person, I'm the law enforcement here, but you're going to come in and think that I did something wrong without looking at the whole thing and check the cameras, come in, ask questions. Instead, I get a guy that didn't ask questions, came in here, like wanted to lock me up. And then I explained to him and everybody, it was people from this floor that used to be here. They was explaining to him, like, no, Robert wasn't wrong. It took them to get him to understand that I wasn't wrong. But by my words alone, he didn't understand. So that just goes to show you that black lives doesn't matter to certain people. So that's why we're really trying to create that black lives matter. Because by him just coming in, I explained to the people over the phone that, um, the guy kept poking me in the chest and stuff like that. So I hit him and I called the police. I got, I almost got sued everything by me hitting this guy. But you know, it it got, it got cleared up because I wasn't in the wrong, but to that cop, I was still wrong because of my size and my skin complexion. You know what I'm saying? Where where is the Black Lives Matter movement now, or is
1: that like a wave that's passed and it'll be something
0: different? It's gonna be around forever. It's just, I just feel like it's not like people are not talking about it anymore. Just like just like COVID, you know, COVID's around, but you know, it's not the big hype or anything because it's been kind of cool. Nobody's been getting killed. But let them let the next killing happen with a police officer killing a black man or whatever. Then you're gonna hear about it, and that's something wrong with our community right there. We only talk about the stuff when when it, when the happens. emotions are way yeah. way flamed up, yeah. And that's the only thing that I that I think that we as a community have to work on. Like, don't go burn up your neighborhood. Don't go do that stuff way you get these people to stop spending money in there those stores that you have or don't burn it up just stop spending money stop going there then they're going to be forced to move out of there that's how you stop it that's how you stop all this craziness that's going on stop spending money at the stores that these people own that you don't that don't look at you like you're equal like you know, what do you think of
1: these people that were uh, putting forward the idea defund the police? Like it's the the that's
0: stupid. <laughs> like you, we we need we need police. Like we need police. Like that's that's dumb. You can't. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm. I'm that's crazy.
1: Well, it's it's gotten weird. Like not just in the the poorer areas of St. Louis, but even the wealthier areas. You call nine one one and you get put on hold. Like, yeah, yeah. if you're, if that's the situation of your emergency services and it's not just St. Louis, this is yeah, cities all over yeah, the country, right? Yeah. Like, if you can't call 911 and have them be like, uh, can you
0: please hold? Like, no, there's a... You hold, you, I'm getting killed right now. <laughs> right, exactly. No, nah, that's crazy. I just, <laughs> we need to get more polices involved and actually train them on how to deal with every area. You know, those polices, that's from O'Fallon to work in O'Fallon. You get what I'm saying? Those polices that's from O'Fallon shouldn't go work in Weston School District or uh, U-City. They shouldn't do that because you're going to see more people like me out there dressed like this. And if you feel like that's a threat, you should go work somewhere else. Well, that's no. a good point. That's exactly yeah. what I was saying before about, like,
1: hey, if I went to one of your rap shows, I'd be, like, standing in the back because yeah. it's, it's not my culture. Yeah, I mean, yeah. could I get there? Uh, probably. Yeah, I, like, sure. I could probably, like, yeah. figure out how, how I, by uh, standing yeah. out, can fit you in. But... Walk in with me, you'll be fine. <laughs> i do that. i yep. do that. So
0: how did uh, the legalization of cannabis impact your community? Man, I was smoking weed before, <laughs> before that even happened, but... To be honest with you, it's just I got, I got a friend right now that owns a cannabis business. This is the same guy that was owning the cannabis business before it was legal, you know? <laughs> I really don't know. So but did it make it
1: because I know in, in my world, right? Like, if you wanted to get some weed before yeah. it was legal, you had to talk to some people that were a yeah, little less scrupulous. Like, yeah, and like it wasn't necessarily dangerous, but it was not great. Yeah. And then with the legalization, it's way easier,
0: but certainly that means use has gone yeah. way up. Yeah, it's gone way up. I, I just think, to for me, I'm just happy I don't do it. Like, um, I smoke cigars. I don't know about the cannabis business. Like, they, my community, the people that know me, they'll say, like, dude, you, you don't look right smoking weed or, like, whatever. I stay out the way. I drink scotch. Smoke my cigars. I don't know about the, the drug life. I don't. I just don't know about it. <laughs> so I'll probably be the worst person to ask about it. <laughs> but is, is did you notice it changed
1: anything? I think we. Could, I think COVID would not have happened in the United States. The the lockdowns wouldn't have happened if they hadn't had weed. I think because I think there were oh, yeah, so many sure. people that were like sitting at home being like, all right, I have weed high, today. yeah, just like,
0: high, just I want to be high. That's everybody thing now. Like that's a, that's been the coolest thing ever. Just smoking weed with your friends and whatever. That's just been cool. I think, I think it actually. Now we don't have to worry about sneaking and doing it. So they kind of give you know give it a way of being cool. I guess I don't know. I don't really smoke it. Like, I stay away from it for real. You know. So, and I don't even if. If you want to smoke weed in my studio, I'm charging. (laughs) I'm charging. Oh, is that really? Yes, I'm charging you to smoke weed. If you want to come in my studio and you want to, like, hey, I want a session. Can we smoke here? Yes, $50 a head. Yeah. Do you pay? They have no other choice. They're not going to play with me or play with whatever's down there. It's just people respect us. That's hilarious. I love that. (laughs) That's a
1: good business idea. Sure, you can smoke here.
0: Any way that I have a way to make money, like I charge people for a lot, like vending machines, I got all that. Like I'm charging for everything, you know. Man, I feel like I could learn a lot from you about business. Like I, side, creative. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a different type of cat, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a street person, but the streets. I watch people that that are street people and they're how they run business. You just got to keep up. You know, same way I talk. You have to keep up with what I'm saying and, you know, just, just relax. It's going to be all right.
1: I got you. So, uh, one of the things I I love talking to people about is like art, like what kind of painting sculpture? I mean, you talked about rap. What kind of art
0: like grabs your attention? Uh, I have a cigar statue. You probably see it on the podcast uh my uh, one of my cousins made it for me or had it made i love art with like smoke or like like that picture right there is amazing like that's dope i caught my attention as soon as i walked in
1: that's that call it the woman on the wall
0: that's amazing like that art is amazing like stuff like that that's what really catch my attention um uh, you know yeah like sculptures and stuff. Too. And your kids like fashion. I mean, fashion yeah.
1: is art. It's just fast-moving art. Yeah. They love fashion.
0: Like, these kids, you know, uh, they were wearing the Gucci and all that stuff. I don't wear that stuff, but I, if they want to wear it, cool. That's what's going to make you cool or feel like you're okay. I'm fine with that, you know. But, yeah, they love it.
1: <laughs> so, speaking of kids, the world is changing really quick uh i don't know have you seen this uh chat ai like th- this uh, uh, artificial intelligence where you can like type into it and it will talk back to you only it's like as wow. good as a human better than a human i haven't seen it so there's this like I've, I've been using it so like i would say um i could take our conversation and put it into the chat bot and say uh hey what was a better question i could have asked and it would be like you could have asked robert this question or oh this wow question or this question And I think about that, like, you can ask it like, Hey, uh, when was Charlemagne King, you know, or like, and it will tell you all these answers, not like Google, like Google gives you an answer where it brings you up the 10 websites that it thinks are closest. This one actually writes using natural language processing to write it up. I think about this and I think, how in the hell are you going to teach kids? What are you going to teach kids so that they can be valuable in the economy in the future when you have
0: artificial intelligence that can write better than I can? True. You just got to, like it goes back to having the, the the father and the mom in the house. Like you got to see your dad or your mom actually doing something. You know what I'm saying? That's what's gonna teach them. Like for me, learning, I had to see somebody doing it. And I read books, but like really seeing somebody go out here. Like oh, I didn't mention that my one of my uncles owned uh, the the um, all like all the Popeyes chicken spots on the south side in East St. Louis and Illinois. His name is Frederick Williams. So he owned all these Popeyes. So as a kid, he used to take us to go to these when he buys a store, he'll have us go clean it. And he's showing us how, like, hey, when you get your money, you put this in the bank. This is the IRS. Hey, when you get this, make sure you pay your bills because your credit, you know, so we had that had him telling us that stuff, too. So you just got to see it. For these kids, that's pretty cool that, you know, that thing going to be talking to you, but that's still not life. You still got to get out here and see life. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> probably, that's
1: a good point. Maybe one of the best points anybody's made about it. Like, yeah. my brother, uh, he buys houses and renovates them. Yeah. He takes his son along and is like, here's the hammer, you know, like, knock it out.
0: And you think about, it, like, that's probably a better education than what he's getting in school. Yeah, it's a way better because you go to school to learn how to make money and get a good job. Just being honest. If if you see your teacher out here, she really hates her job and she's coming home, getting probably getting abused, or whatever the case may be at home, and then she go to school and teach her kid, that's not okay. Not good. Yeah. But if you go home and you see your family, you come to my house, you like, man, I know my dad's sitting outside smoking a cigar, listening to some blues or some soft music or some jazz and I know he got to go to the studio to unlock a door or he got to go to his security company and make sure the person at work whatever I know he's doing good I'm gonna go with him so you want to show your kid you know how to really you know grow up the right way yeah, I think that,
1: like, uh, it's hard to do in the cities in the way that you could do on a farm, right, where yeah. you're like, hey, we're all working. Like, yeah. we're all going out to bale hay. We're all going out to, um, yeah. you know, harvest the corn or whatever. Yeah, I got a friend
0: right now, like, he got a farm, man. And his his parents got the farm. And uh, it's, like, in the middle of no work. <laughs> like, this place is huge. And uh, he'll be like, hey, man, I'm going on the farm today, man. We're going to. We're gonna drink some uh, some some whiskey and we're gonna just chill. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, you know what, man? I'm gonna go out to see how you living. So I went mudding with him. That's that's fun. Oh, mudding's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Mudding's real fun. Like, I'm like, hey, man, we're about to die. Like, I'm so nervous. I will. I was like, dude, I would rather literally be in the area where I grew up than be right here right now. Oh, like, really? I was that nervous? Yeah. Because there's was a lot of people.
1: When you learn to do it as a kid, yeah, it's like. It's like second nature, right? Yeah. Where you're like uh, throwing <laughs> mud everywhere, doing yeah. donuts and stuff. I also it think crazy. it makes you a way better driver. Like, it does. I don't know if you... When you were a kid, when it snowed out, did you take the car out and go to parking lots and just to go
0: like... honest, Whoa. Richie, we used to call those Stolos, right? <laughs> <laughs> we used to steal cars and take them out now. Nah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, for me, I wasn't that kid. I always just... I was a kid. Like, I really loved being a kid until my friend got killed. So, I really loved being a kid. So, I used to go to the basketball court or get some friends and we would play football, whatever. Like, I wasn't really, like, trying to get in no cars and stuff like that, you know? Where'd, where'd the name Solo come from? This girl. This girl gave it to me uh, in, like, middle school. Uh, she, she was like, man, you don't act like all the other guys that's trying to, like, they're trying to fit in. It's like everybody wants to be cool with you. Man, I'm gonna start calling you solo, right? And uh and I was like, you know what, that's pretty cool. I was like, I'm I'm gonna go by that too. So for years people have been calling me solo. Man, that's like the to me, that's like the best nickname I've been, yeah. ever heard. Like that is exactly what you want. And um I spell my name different. I spell it S O U L O. So I had the soul into solo, right? Cause I was R and B I'm in the entertainment world, whatever. So yeah. And then now I just go by CEO solo on social media because I'm like a super CEO in my community. You know, I I show you a better lifestyle. (laughs) All right. Last
1: question. If I was going to go for the best food in in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. you're going to go out somewhere.
0: Where are you going to go? Prime 55. Prime 55, where is that? Prime 55 is on Delmore, and then it's a location downtown. And uh, God rest Orlando. soul. It was a brother that him and T-Love, they started that business together. Orlando lost his battle to cancer last year, and T-Love's running it by himself, but he's still in business, doing strong, doing good, going strong, and so. What do they got? Their prime? Is it steak? What is it? They have everything. Okay. So when you think of prime 55, you might think of a Ruth Chris. It's just a, you know, a smaller version of Ruth Chris. They have everything that they have. And it's very upscale. Like you, you're not going to get in dressed like this. You get in dressed (laughs) like that. I know if I go to prime, I know I have to dress, you know, (laughs) but yeah. He's not playing. He don't play at all, man. That's one of my mentors too. So, yeah. T love solo. This has been uh,
1: fantastic, man. Yes, it was uh, you're a busy man. It was hard to get get on your schedule, but I'm so
0: glad we did. Yeah, man. I'm happy. I, I really love your podcast. I appreciate you for letting me have the seat in here and getting on here. You know. So yeah. All right. Well, we'll have you on again. Perfect. I heard it. <laughs>